Welcome to Storytime with Michael Kingswood. I'm Michael Kingswood, a retired submarine officer. I'm also a private pilot, martial artist, engineer, and a lifelong fan of science fiction and fantasy. I've written and published dozens of stories across the entire spectrum of speculative fiction. So sit back, let your mind wander through realms of adventure as I tell you a story. Hey friends, Michael Kingswood back at you again, and it's story time. Right, so uh, last time we were we met Lily, who uh, was a clarinet player in her school orchestra, and you know, had some issues with uh, playing more than she was supposed to because of improvisation and getting totally swept up in the music, and uh, yeah, apparently had some issues with some of the other cheerleader girls. Uh, but then, what the heck, she got taken over by some weird spirit and brought home, and turns out her magic is, her music is magical and opens a portal to this other realm, and this weird spirit had this conversation about some plan or some kind of thing going on, don't know, and then she woke up, had no memory of it, and mom's like, what the hell's going on with you? And she'd lost two hours. And, and uh, yeah, so what the hell is going on with her? Well, time to find out, because it's time for part two of the story. Um... Once again, it'll be me reading it because I uh, haven't had a pro do it yet. Do the reading for it yet, anyway. And uh, we'll continue on, see what's going on. Hope you like it. Catch you in just a minute. Alright, A Note of Magic, Part 2, written by me. Lily walked into the band's rehearsal room, feeling strangely anxious. It had been building up within her all day, the feeling that something momentous was about to happen. She tried to shrug it off as nerves over the impending recital, now only two days away, but could not. She had played in many recitals, both solo and in an orchestra over the years, and before audiences far larger than they expected in the school's auditorium. Now, there was something more that had her worried. She just could not figure out what it was. Mrs. Quigley turned from where she stood near the conductor's stand and, baton in hand, smiled in greeting. As usual, she was dressed conservatively. Also as usual, her smile seemed just a tad wider for Lily than for the boy carrying a violin case who brushed past her. Ready to go, the teacher said. Lily just shrugged and moved to her seat. Henry was already there, his clarinet fully assembled, and the music sitting on their stand. His blonde hair was frizzled, as usual, his booed t-shirt wrinkled, and he was sucking on his instrument's reed like it was a lollipop. Gross. She sat down next to him, smoothing her loose, flowery skirts absently, before setting her clarinet case down and opening it up. Henry pulled the reed out of his mouth and grinned at her. Excited? Lily pulled the pieces of her clarinet out and began fitting them together, pausing only to shrug slightly in answer. He was not to be dissuaded. I can't wait. Friday's going to be awesome. He tested the reed with his thumb, then nodded and slid it into place on the mouthpiece of his clarinet. My grandpa's coming to town just for this. Lily tried to give him an encouraging smile, but her heart wasn't in it. For whatever reason, his talking about the coming recital set her heart racing all of a sudden, and she felt a flash of something that was not quite fear. That just didn't make any sense. She finished assembling her instrument and wetted the reed, then set it into place. She looked around the room quickly. The rest of her bandmates were all seated. From all around the room came the sounds of various instruments being tuned or run through peggios, a chaotic mass of sound that somehow managed to be pleasing despite its lack of structure. It was a familiar pattern, oft repeated, and she found herself calmed by it. There was nothing to worry about, nothing at all. A couple minutes passed, 
Then Mrs. Quigley tapped her baton onto the top of her music stand. It did not make a loud noise, but the rhythm of it cut through the various musicians' preparations easily, and the noise around the room died out. Mrs. Quigley's eyes moved over the group, assessing. And was Lily imagining things, or did they pause on her longer than on anyone else? Again, she felt a shiver of almost fear, but then the feeling passed as the teacher's gaze swept past her. Two days to the recital, Mrs. Quigley said. This is our last rehearsal. Let's make it a good one. She raised her hands, and in unison with her motion, the band raised their instruments to positions of readiness. They began. Almost immediately, the tension that had filled Lily seemed to wash away. The notes, flowing out of her lungs and through the vowels in her clarinet, seemed to lift her. She almost felt like she was going to float away. Her head swam, and the music symbols on the page Henry had placed on the music stand wavered and blurred. Still, she played on. She knew the part by heart, and anyway, she could not have stopped herself if she tried. The song progressed, and she lost herself even more and more as the seconds passed. Nothing existed except for the next note she was going to play. Nothing mattered except for the pace of her breathing and the rhythm of her fingers on the valves. Her vision narrowed, the faces of her bandmates fading into a blur all around her. And then, a light. A glorious white-pink light that warmed her to the core of her being. Unbidden, a different piece of music came into her mind, familiar despite the certainty that she had never played it before. Without thinking about it, she changed the rhythm of her breathing, and her fingers moved to a key, the new melody. It came so natural, it was so right. A voice that was not her own seemed to shatter in her head, knocking her off her rhythm. Not now, not yet! She faltered, shaken to the core, but the call of the music was so strong, the light so welcoming, she could not stop herself. She felt a, a wrenching, heard an inaudible curse inside her head, and then everything went black. Lily floated in nothingness. For how long, she did not know. Slowly, she came to realize that she existed, and that she was, in fact, able to think, but she could not see, could not hear, could not move. It was like she was a thought without a body, unable to do anything. A shiver of fear ran through her. What had happened? Where was she? All around, there was only blackness, only silence. She tried to speak, but no sound came out of her mouth. The fear grew, nearing panic. Her hair felt as though it were standing on end, and her body was damp with sweat. That was something, at least. She could feel, and then she could hear, slightly, a distant murmuring, like voices speaking softly from across the room. She could not quite understand. Uh, she strained toward the sound, struggling to move. Finally, after what seemed a year, her head turned just the slightest bit, and that small motion unlocked the floodgates. First her fingers and toes, then her wrists and ankles began to respond to her commands, and through the blackness a light began to glow. Dimly at first, just the faintest of red in the black, but gradually increasing in intensity, and with it the sounds grew louder as well. Don't know how she did it, a voice, sibilant and gentle sounding, said with more than a hint of confusion. She turned her head again, and the sounds fell to a murmur once more, before a second voice, deeper and more commanding than the first, became understandable. This could ruin everything. The voice sounded upset. The redness of the light struck in a memory in Lily's mind, closing her eyes against the, her mother, suddenly flicking on a light switch to keep the sudden brightness from overwhelming her. The light was just like that, like a lamp shining against her closed eyelids. She strained, and her eyes opened a crack. Immediately, she knew where she was, her bedroom. She recognized the patterns on the ceiling where she had once tried to paint a scene when she was little. She was lying on her bed. 
but the light that shone from around her was not from any lamp. It was white, pink, and warm, just like the light she had glimpsed in rehearsal earlier. What was going on? She raised her head, and her breath caught in her throat. A nimbus of pink-white floated in the air at the foot of her bed, and within it was a being of some sort. More a silhouette than anything else, but it was a creature. She was sure of it. And sitting next to her on her bed was another creature, seemingly made of pure light. She could not make out any details of either of them, except that they were human-shaped, with long, pale hair, and clad in translucent clothing, and lovely beyond anything she had ever seen. The stern voice continued coming from the being in the air. You must... Lily squeak as she finally found her voice, cut the being off, and both creatures spun to face her. The intensity of their gazes froze her muscles. She would have shrunk back, sunk through the bed if she could avoid those eyes, eyes that glimmered pink-red and seemed to see through to her soul. She's awake, the stern being said. A second later, it turned his gaze away from Lily, toward the being next to her on the bed. How is she awake? The being on the bed was visibly shaken, recoiling from the question and from Lily both as it sprang to its feet. I don't... Who are you? Lily managed to say, through trembling lips. She did not like how squeaky her voice came out. What are you? The being, the being who had been with her on the bed, gathered itself quickly and moved closer, reaching out an arm toward her. Lily, don't be afraid. We, she, Lily pushed herself away from the being's touch. This is unacceptable. Put her back to sleep immediately. This was the being in the air again. I think it's a bit late for that, Alana, said the being that had been sitting next to Lily. He looked back at Alana, floating in the glowing nimbus in obvious displeasure for a moment. Then, after Alana gave a little nod, it turned back to Lily. I know this is hard, the being said, and <laughs> slid back onto the bed and approached her. Lily pushed herself backwards so hard that her head hit the wall at the top of the head of her bed. She could not bite back a yelp of pain from the contact. The being edged closer, again reaching out to her. My name is Celine, Lily. A pause. Celine. Celine. The name froze Lily in place. No, no, it couldn't be. Memories flooded into her of a time when she was little playing with her best friend Katrina in the backyard, their games alternating between duets on violin and clarinet, and make-believe adventures with their magical friends. They danced through flower beds, careful not to disturb Mother's gardenias, laughing as they saved the princess from the evil witches that had taken them prisoner, and all the while they imagined their friends laughing with them. Lily could not remember the name of Katrina's imaginary friend, but hers was named... Celine. Lily said the name softly her voice wavering as fear, uncertainty, and wonder all fought within her. The being, Celine, nodded again. Lily shook her head. This isn't real. I hit my head or something, and Celine's hand touched her arm, and a feeling of warmth and certainty of well-being spread up from her touch and filled Lily's entire body. The throbbing in the top of her head, where it struck the wall, faded away between one breath and the next. Lily blinked in confusion, and Celine smiled gently. Lily, she said, we've been together for years. You know better than that. She shook her head. It was make-believe. Behind Celine, Alana made a sound that would have been a snort if it wasn't so dainty. That's your grown-up mind explaining what the child's mind simply accepted. You two have never been apart. I don't understand. I've never seen you before. Where have you... Celine lifted her finger to her brow, then extended it to Lily's temple. The warmth from Celine's touch faded, and a shiver went up Lily's spine, and her stomach did a little flip. In my head? Saying that made the reality strike her, and her blood turned to ice. You've been inside me? 
She pulled away and bounded off the bed. She had to get away, but the door of the hallway was so close. Surely she could make it before they could catch her. Haven't you wondered why music comes to you as easily as it does, Alana said, some of the sternness leaving her voice, why it makes your very soul sing? Lily froze, with her hand hovering halfway to the doorknob. Everyone likes music, but not everyone feels it or can channel it as you do, Alana paused meaningfully. People like you are exceedingly rare, special. It is our purpose to protect them and guide them. And that's why Celine has been with you all this time. What do you mean? She looked back at the two glowing beings, some of the revulsion that caused her to flee fading beneath a growing curiosity. The pair exchanged a look and Celine slid off the bed onto her feet. There is a power to music, a magic, she said, approaching Lily slowly. You've known this your whole life. Celine's words resonated within Lily, touching on a feeling she had experienced seemingly forever, but could not put into words. She nodded slowly. Some people are able to tap that power, to shape it, and with it, the world. These people rise above mere competence into virtuosity. If they were left unguided, the effects on both your world and ours would be potentially severe. Lily found, so you just jump into people's heads without asking? Celine stopped her approach, now a bit more than arm's length from Lily. A slight smile appeared on her face, and she shook her head. No, never. You agreed, don't you remember? You said you wanted me to be with you forever. No, when did I... She started to object, but another memory arose. Practicing the backyard after Katrina had gone, giggling as she imagined Celine telling her a joke, saying she never wanted Celine to leave her. And Celine replying that they would always be together no matter what. Lily shook her head in denial. I was seven! A child sees and accepts truths, an adult often will not, Alana said, her tone growing stern once more. Katrina had an imaginary friend, too. Does she... Celine shook her head before Lily finished the question. The offer was made, but she refused. Okay, so you've been, what, riding around in there watching everything? Celine nodded slowly, and giving a little nudge here and there to help you learn best to control your ability. I see. Somehow that didn't seem so bad, although... Lily froze as an icy lump formed in her stomach. And my lost time... Celine's gentle smile slipped, and that lump became a chill that swept through Lily's entire body. That was you! Celine didn't respond after a second, and Lily knew she was right. The chill gave way to growing anger. She lifted her chin and scowled. That was more than just a little nudge. What did you do? Celine glanced back at Alana again. I was teaching you. Teaching me? Teaching me? <coughs> the anger was real now, a burning fire within her, and she felt her fists clench unconsciously. Teaching me what? The two beings locked eyes for several seconds, and then Alana seemed to slump, as though defeated. She gave a little nod, and Selene turned back to Lily. You have to understand, Lily, not all of our people act for the good. There are some of us, fugitives, Alana interjected. Selene nodded agreement and continued, some fugitives who reject our people's teachings and seek their own gain through your music. Most times, we're able to prevent them from causing mischief before they reach the world, but occasionally, she seemed to take a deep breath. It was the first time Lily had seen her or Alana make any movement that resembled breathing at all. Occasionally, they managed to bridge the gap, and we are forced to act more directly. Lily raised her eyebrows at them. What had this had to do with her, she could not figure, and didn't explain with them mucking around with her memory. 
As though reading her thoughts, Alana said, These fugitives act as any of us would with humans. They convince a promising musical talent to accept their help, then they take up residence. Millie flinched at that turn of phrase, but if Alana noticed or cared, she gave no sign. But while we nudge and guide, they wrest control almost completely, and the human becomes little more than a puppet in their grasp. Lily shuddered. <laughs> what Selene and Alana had done to her was bad enough, but that was awful. They, so, so they become possessed. Nodded. Selene nodded. Yes, that's the term your people have used for it. A possessed person can be forced to do great harm if he's not countered. So when we learn a possession has happened, a nearby talent is trained to counter the fugitive's actions and free the possessed. She smiled again at Lily. You mean me? Alana nodded at Lily's words. We believe a possession has occurred at your school. A former acquaintance of ours has crossed over. Since Celine knows the fugitive's methods, she's been teaching you means to counter her magics and force her back to our world where she can be taken into custody. It had to be done without your knowledge and quickly because you only just located her and her plan is nearing fruition. She frowned. Normally, the instruction could have been spread out over a longer period of time, so you wouldn't notice it, and you would have countered her efforts and been none the wiser. But, an accusing look in Celine's direction accented her words, we were sloppy. This wasn't helping Lily be any less angry. You could just vast. You're no better than your fugitives as you just take over. Both creatures lowered their eyes. Celine said softly, I'm sorry. There was good reason not to tell you, Alana said, not sounding nearly as contrite as Selene had. Another lengthy pause. Lily pressed her fingers to her hips and tapped her foot on the floor. I'm waiting. Alana gave a little shrug. In the past, we actively enlisted the aid of students. They knew of our presence, and we formed powerful relationships. You've heard tales of seers, prophets, divinely inspired bards, have you not? Who hadn't? Lily nodded. Have you ever wondered at their lack of in recent centuries? Not really. They were just stories. Selene chuckled softly. I think you know better than that now. Fair enough. Okay. Why haven't there been any prophets lately? Alana replied, because of Mozart. That caught Lily off guard. She blinked in surprise, and her mouth dropped open of its own accord. Mozart? What do you mean? You've heard of the rivalry between him and Salieri? Yeah, it was made up. A story that guy invented to make his play more interesting. Then they made the play into a movie and everyone thinks Salieri was his bad person when he wasn't at all. Oh, and had that made Lily angry when she learned the truth of it. That is mostly true. Salieri had no reason to feel threatened by Mozart at all. He was far more successful than the young Upspart from Salzburg. The name when it came to opera in Vienna, but... Alana leaned forward. There is a hint of truth to the tale, all the same. Can you guess what it was? Lily frowned, pondering. What was Alana going with this? If there was no real rivalry between them, then what? Oh, her eye. Oh. Mozart was possessed? Alana shook her head. The opposite, actually. When his guide told him of Salieri's affliction, he worked himself to the bone to learn how to counter the fugitive's designs. But even after he succeeded in helping us capture the fugitive, he began to see signs of possession in others, despite his guide's assurances that it was not so. He pushed himself harder and harder, working to counter a threat that was not really there. And so he died young. She made a loud sigh. Far too young, and both of our worlds lost out on the music and the magic that we'd have created had he lived. Alana lowered her eyes again, going silent. After a couple seconds, Lean said, 
That was not the first time a talent was lost early, but his loss was the most poignant. After that, we decided it would be best for the talents to not know of us after they reached a certain age, for their own protection, as well as for ours. The anger had faded, replaced by a lingering resentment, but Lily found it hard to maintain even that. It made sense in a weird sort of way, but that left a big question to answer. Well, I know about you. Now what? She had a sinking suspicion. She knew where this was going, and maybe, well, maybe she was wrong. Celine looked back to Lana, who had recovered her composure. They stared at each other for a time, and Lily had the feeling they were somehow communicating, even though neither spoke. Finally, Alana gave her a shake of her head, and then, on a human woman, would have been rueful. There's no time to train another, Alana said. It is no longer our way, but there is no choice. If the future is fugitive is allowed to succeed in her plans, the damage to our world and to the possessed would be too great. Glowing eyes turned to look squarely into Lily's. Will you help us? That's what she thought Alana was going to say. How? Celine spoke up. You already know what you have to do. At your recital on Friday, a moment will come when the fugitive will attempt to spell. When that happens, just play the music I taught you. That's it? Celine nodded. That's it. You already know the song. It's, you've been bursting at the seams with it all week. She smiled apologetically. That's why I had to take over today. If you had played the song fully, she would have learned how I mean to counter her and altered her spell to avoid it. Another shiver went up Lily's spine. If the showdown was going to take place during the recital, and playing that song or recital could reveal it, that could only mean one thing. You're saying the fugitive has taken possession of someone in the band? Celine shook her head. No, no, I thought so at first, but now I'm certain that the fugitive is taking place within your instructor. Mrs. Quigley? Celine nodded gravely. So, will you help us to save your teacher and both of our worlds? It didn't seem to Lily there was much of a choice to make putting it that way. Okay, now we know what the uh, grand plan is, the strategy, the mystery behind it all. Holy smokes. Um, it's been a couple of years since I wrote this, and uh, when I wrote it, I was like, yeah, it's a little creepy, these folks taking over people's bodies to teach them music, and reading it now, it's like, yeah, <laughs> it's, just a lot, it's a lot creepy, and uh, yeah, even the good guys are, well, creepy, but hey, it is what it is, and Billy's agreed to help them, so let's you know, move on and see what happens next, right, oh, let's see if she can save the day. Unfortunately, you have to wait for the next episode to do that, because we're getting on towards a half hour here, and I don't really go, want to go much further than that. But <clears throat> if you can't stand to wait until next week to uh, find out what happens, <laughs> you can buy the story. Yeah. Um, go on by my website. Uh, you know, MikeKingswood.com is the home. My home. Uh, my store is at SSNStorytelling.com, and you can uh, pick up that story and all my stuff right there. Print an e-book and... Uh, and audiobook for the couple things that I've got there that I can actually sell that's not exclusive elsewhere. And, uh, hey, use PayPal or crypto, and, and it gets well, sent, get sent straight to your device, the ebook anyway, straight to your device for this great service called BookFunnel, which makes it nice and easy. So you don't have so you know, you can still go to Amazon, Barnes & Noble, all those places if you want to. I get more money if you come to my site. That's cool. Otherwise, uh, if you don't want to do that, uh, you know, you can leave tips, of course. 
or just uh, tell your buddies and all your pals about uh, cool stories that you're listening to on this podcast or watching on this video. And hey, this guy's a little weird, but check him out anyway. I'd appreciate that. Or go buy Patreon and become a patron. Or just come back next week. That's also very cool. Uh, let me know what you think. And uh, yeah, have a good week. I'll talk to you next time. Don't do anything I wouldn't do. Take care. That'll do it for this episode of Storytime with Michael Kingswood. Come by my website, michaelkingswood.com, for information about my work. There you can sign up for a newsletter where I tell about new releases and special promotions. Guaranteed to be spam-free. Or just drop me an email at michael at michaelkingswood.com, and I look forward to hearing from you. If you really like my stuff and feel like giving me a buck, drop by Patreon and sign up to be a patron. As always, if you like today's story, be sure to leave a review on your favorite online bookstore and share this podcast with all your friends. This production is copyright Michael Kingswood. Intro and outro music copyright Gene Paul Zogby, licensed through stockmusic.net. All rights reserved.